Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Danielle Jones, Senior Agile Consultant on the SAP Intelligence Spend and Business Network Enablement Operations team. Joining us today is Patrick Dodd, Senior Agile Coach, also from the SAP Intelligence Spend and Business Network Enablement Operations team. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you, Danielle. You're welcome. Returning guest with us today also is Scott Hewitt, Scrum Coach, Partner Technologies, Intelligent Enterprise Solutions. I feel like I said so much and the podcast can be over just from your titles. All right. Awesome. Welcome, Scott. Good to be here. Cool. So today we're going to continue our our conversation about uh, agile metrics and how we love them, how we use them the right way, the wrong way. And, you know, what can we do better to make sure our teams are kind of using this to their advantages? So, you know, I guess kind of bring it back to one thing that I do want to talk about that we talked about in one of the episodes is uh, someone compared, you know, the metrics to like stock prices and they're like, oh, if you get this stock and you, you invested this one and then you based it on a rumor. And I'm saying this because recently I bought some stock and it was based on a rumor and I won't mention which cryptocurrency it was, um, but it, you know, and then they're like, well, this is what happens when you base your, your buying and, and your investment on a rumor based, based, you know, rather, you know, actually knowing what you're doing, because I have no idea. Um, so they mentioned, they compared it to metrics and some people don't invest in it because they don't understand it and you look presented to them and they don't really you know know what it means think it's valuable or whatever the case may be so I would like to know which metric that you feel is often most misinterpreted just one one metric (laughs) and how can we re-educate those people on how to actually effectively use this metric and I'll start with you Patrick Oh God. Okay. Um, <laughs> There's so many, right? Yeah. Um, oh shoot. I, I would say the metric that I would say is most often misinterpreted is velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, and like I was cycling through like all the different metrics in my head, but, um, because they're all kind of misinterpreted, but I would say, uh, the reason that velo- that I bring up velocity is that, there's a super common misconception that velocity should always be increasing. Mm-hmm. And um, stakeholders look at velocity to say, oh, okay, this is how fast I can get my stuff. And um, that's not the case. What the, the purpose of velocity is, is to guide the team to figure out about how much they can do in a sprint. And for that, you need a stable velocity. You don't need an increasing velocity. If you have an increasing velocity, it's actually not predictable. So um, you can't figure that out easily when it comes to sprint planning. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I would definitely say that. And I would also say that velocity is probably the most common predictive metric that's used as a reporting metric. And value judgments are put on the team based upon how many points the team can do. And um, if you talk to any stakeholder or any sponsor of a project or any product owner, um, I guarantee you that none of the good ones anyway are going to say, ooh, I want this many points. They don't care about how many points you do. They want to see what kind of features you deliver. So that's what I would say. Cool. Same question. That was Patrick's turn to take the words out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) One on one. Um, so yeah, I, I would say the same kind of as I alluded to a little bit earlier. Um, if we use it for prediction, but with the big caveat of all things being the same, mm-hmm. then 
that's when I would say it's it's uh, it's valid. Most other interpretations, if all other interpretations of velocity, are, are like, because it's the, the most popular, are, are incorrect. You know, maybe velocity plus or minus ten percent. How many times do you hit that, or how regularly would be probably a, a better metric than requesting increase in velocity or, or things like that. Yes, agreed. Yeah. I think I'm like tossed between velocity and burn down because they're kind of connected because we are just notoriously bad at, at estimating um, because we, are, as, as humans, we're taught to equate time with, you know, how we're doing things and, oh, well, this will be three hours and this. And so we, we just notoriously do it wrong. And it's hard for us to get out of our, our, you know, routine of how we think about it and estimate correctly. Um, and so when you can't really estimate and then you look at your velocity and they're like, oh God, why are we so volatile? Like, did we underestimate? Did we overestimate? Did we just not know what we were estimating at all? So I, I, I go back and forth between the burn down being super misinterpreted and the velocity, but I think they have a lot to do with each other because we just have not been able to master that quite yet, the, the estimating and knowing how much things we can do. So even though we think we're really good at, you know, knowing what we can do in a day just doesn't always work that way. So. Yeah. And, and, and I would say like to kind of piggyback off that, like that's probably the most common complaint I hear from teams and participants in communities of practice when I work with them is we don't know how to estimate or we can't estimate or our estimation sucks or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, and this might be a topic for a separate podcast, but I find that with estimation itself is rarely the problem. It's story writing. It's yeah. actually oh, figuring yeah. out what's the intent. Because like if, if the story is written good, mm -hmm. estimation is actually pretty easy to do. It's right. just a sliding scale. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how like one, the things they just like kind of, it, they roll downhill and pick up like all these things like, oh, the story wasn't built out correctly or we didn't separate, we didn't, you know, break it down enough. And all of this stuff kind of leads to us, you know, being our own worst enemies and, you know, not being able to predict what we can do, do what we can do, because, you know, we just think we're super people and we're like, oh, I don't need any more, you know, in that paragraph, I know exactly what to do. Then we start working on it and we're like, I don't know what you want. So yeah, good, awesome. But I did want to talk about some of the Kanban metrics because I feel like we are, you know, we talk about the burn down and all that good stuff, but there are some teams who are practicing Kanban or something in between Scrum and Kanban and the metrics are a little bit different, quite different. Um, and so the main one I want to kind of get into is the cumulative flow diagram. It looks confusing. Um, it's got all these pretty little dots and, and all that good stuff. And uh, application does a great job of like showing us, you know, this, this graphic, but we don't often know how to interpret it. So con since Patrick, you know, I know you know a lot about Kanban, um, explain to us kind of how we can get the most info out of the cumulative flow diagram without you know, trying to get our PhD in it. So yeah, so the cumulative flow diagram, um, simply put, it's a representation of what work is in what state at a given moment. So each one of those colors on that diagram represents a work state. So you might have like pink might be in progress, yellow might be completed, blue might be in review. And uh, when you look, like if you look at, for example, day four, um, you can look and see, you know, on day four, we had two things in progress. We had one thing in review and we had cumulative five things done. And that's all tallied up, hence cumulative flow. 
So, and ideally it should be, it should almost look like a burn up um, to a certain degree. Um, and, and that's, and, and that's something that, um, that, that, that I actually find incredibly valuable because you can look and see what your average cycle time is by looking at the cumulative flow diagram. Um, but the, uh, I, I think what's, what's interesting is a lot of teams, when they say they want to go to Kanban, they don't know anything about any of these metrics or they think that maybe there's no metrics in Kanban. And I think this was brought up in a previous episode as well, where um, some teams don't want to measure anything because they don't want constraints, but the metrics are in place to measure those constraints. Like in sprint, a burn down is measuring what happens within the sprint constraint in Kanban, the cumulative flow diagram and cycle time and lead time and flow efficiency are measuring what is uh, happening within that work in progress limit constraint. So I think that's, I, I, I kind of digress there. I've had too much coffee today, but yeah, that's, uh, that, that's generally my thoughts on that. Okay, cool. No, that, that was a great explanation. Um, so Scott, I have don't, not the same question about the cumulative flow diagram, but the other metrics in Kanban, um, and I'm not sure how much of them, you know, your teams are using at the moment or if they're using it at all, but since, you know, is there something, you know, within the Kanban metrics that you find you wish maybe would kind of cross over into Scrum? And since it's maybe you found it a little bit more valuable, I know they, they're kind of different. You can't measure them exactly the same because they're not constrained in, in iterations, but there could be some things that you can learn from a team with a Kanban uh, metric that you wish maybe Scrum had an equivalent to. Yeah, so basically going on what Patrick said, so we, we have used, well, I think we're calling it the wrong thing. We're probably calling it the cumulative flow diagram, but it's actually the burn up. So um, we generally use a, a six sprint average velocity. So this is where we use average velocity, knowing there's going to be variation. Um, and we use that to predict what's going to happen in the future, all things being equal, as he said earlier. Um, and then we, we work with our business to say, hey, well, you know, in X amount of sprints, we'll be able to do this amount of story points um, or this amount of, of work. And then it's just a tool to help us work with the business to say, you know, if your scope is up here, probably not going to be done. If it's down here, probably certainly going to be done. And you can probably get some of these. So it, it, it's, um, it's what Henry, Henrik Nyberg said in the um, product ownership is a nutshell. I think, you know, if you go 12 minutes, you know, something else, it's exactly that sort of uh, that, um, burn up chart. And I just love the use of it. So I think that's maybe where it's crossed over and something we actually do use. Although we don't do uh, Kanban as we do more, um, more product implementation as opposed to support. Okay, good. Just a shout out to like that, that video you mentioned, product owner in a nutshell, highly recommend. Like if you're in a product owner role or curious about it, definitely watch it. It's fabulous. Nice. Absolutely. Awesome. Also, that cool. So one last question for each of you to wrap this up. What give me a famous last sentence or advice about metrics that you wish someone would have told you before you got started, when you got started, or something that you learned like from this podcast or listening to previous podcasts? Give us, you know, some a famous last words about metrics. Patrick. Oh gosh, I gotta sound smart. Um, I, I would say the, the the best line that I would have told my younger self would be, "It's okay to look bad." That's and the reason I say that is because, like, 
I used to be one of those program managers that had to have green status reports all the time. And mm-hmm. you, in a, in a previous organization, I was punished if the status reports weren't green. Um, and that was the absolute example of how not to use metrics. Mm-hmm. And um, that, and if I could have told anything to my younger self, that would have been it. Because if, if you look bad and that badness is truth, then you're on the path to a better place. I like it. So I, w- I would actually refer back to one of our previous podcasts where it said metrics aren't meant to drive punishment or reward. Mm-hmm. Um, like Patrick just said about the, the punishment you got if something didn't happen. Um, so I would ensure that we don't do that, right? You know, you're X percent down on your velocity, therefore it's bad, punish, bad team. Or, hey, we got 20% more, we're great, you're fantastic. It's just the behavior that you drive behind that sort of reinforcement or, or kind of um, punishment is, is not necessarily where we want to go. So to move away from that, it doesn't mean we can't do recognition, which mm-hmm. is neither punishment or reward. Like we recognize this is a fact and this is, this is what it meant. Um, yeah, so moving from punishment and reward to observations and, and more importantly, learning. I like that. I would have to agree with Patrick's kind of along the same lines. I would say, just don't be afraid to look bad because, you know, in looking bad in this instance, it's like open to interpretation. It's very subjective. So, you know, don't be afraid to, to look bad. Awesome. Well, I think we have remixed and mixed uh, agile metrics. And I thank you guys for joining me today. We got some really good conversation going. That's the end of this iteration. I'm Danielle. I'm Patrick. I'm Scott. Until the next iteration, you can give us a five-star rating at your podcast provider. Shoot us an email at info at fasterthanastandup.com or find us on Twitter at Faster Standup. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than a Standup. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.